0: fount of every blessing and it'll be up on the board for you. Come thou fount of every blessing, can y'all stand with me? I'm sorry. Do sing thy grace, streams of mercy never ceasing, all for song Remember the body and the blood of our Lord.
1: Good morning to everyone. I greet you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we are gathered here together to worship him and to sing praises to his name. And this is the first Sunday of the month, and this church on the first Sunday of the month observes the Lord's Supper. And then following the service this morning, we assemble ourselves in the fellowship hall to have some fellowship and to have some food, always plenty of food, more than we can eat. And you are all invited, and don't worry about it if you say, well, I forgot, or I'm New here, and I didn't know, I didn't bring any food, that's fine. You're our guest, and we want to take care of you. David says in Psalm 68, Let God arise, and let his enemies be scattered. Let them also that hate him flee before him. Let the righteous be glad, let them rejoice before God... Yea, let them exceedingly rejoice, sing unto God, sing praises to his name, extol him that rides upon the heavens by his name, Yah, or Jehovah or Yahweh, and rejoice before him. A father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation." I'm going to pray and ask the Lord to bless our time together. We know that our Lord Jesus Christ came into the world to offer himself as a substitute, as a sacrifice for his people. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 1, Thou should call his name Jesus. He shall save his people from their sins. That was his mission And that mission was accomplished perfectly. In order to do that, our Lord Jesus had to become a man. He took a body and he tabernacled among men. He took a body in order that he might lay it down, that he might have blood to shed. He is our sacrifice. In the Old Testament, the high priest would go in before God and offer an animal sacrifice, offer blood, sprinkle blood on the altar... Jesus Christ is our sacrifice, and he is the priest who offers the sacrifice. So he's both the sacrifice and the priest who offers it. He is our king. He is the one who rules us. He is our prophet. The prophet's role was to make known the mind and the will of God to the people. We learn of God, and his will is revealed to us in, by, and through our Lord Jesus jesus christ so we thank the lord for having taken a body and then having taken that body we thank him for laying that body down he says in the gospel of john that he came to die and that this commandment he had received from his father and that no man could take his life from him but that he laid it down freely of himself let us pray Our Father, we call upon you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who did love us and who gave himself for us. We are thankful to you, Father, for giving your only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him may not perish, but have everlasting life. We are thankful today that we have a substitute, we have a sacrifice, we have a priest, we have an atonement, we have a Passover. One who stands between us and thy holy law, having satisfied all of its demands on our behalf. We ask, Father, that you will help us this morning to, in the deepest parts of our hearts and minds, remember our Lord who suffered for us, who gave himself for us, who stood in our very room and stead, that we might enter into the gates and the portals of glory. How thankful we are, Lord, how unworthy we are. But we drink a toast today not to our worthiness, but to his worthiness. Not to what we have done, but to what he has done. We ask that you will sanctify this time and this service to our souls. And we ask it in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whose sake we ask it. Amen. Now here, since the coronavirus set in... We have taken the Lord's Supper by coming up and filing in row by row. Some of the, uh, there are two types of cups up here. One cup has the wine, the other cup has the bread. So you need to get some bread and wine. And then when you come by and pick that up, if you wish to participate, then you file back to your place. And after everyone has been served, then I'll lead you and we will all partake together. In the meantime, while you are coming up here, I'll be reading some portions of Scripture from the New Testament Gospel of John. So let's stand together and we'll let you begin the the process. Pilate took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. and They said, Hail, King of the Jews, and they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went again and said to, him, said to them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said unto them, Behold the man. When the chief priests therefore and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said unto them, You take him and crucify him. I find no fault in him. And the Jews answered, We have a law. By our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. Pilate heard that saying, he was afraid, even more so. And he went again into the judgment hall, and he said to Jesus, Where did you come from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate said unto him, Do you not speak to me? Do you not know that I have power to crucify thee, and I have power to release thee? And Jesus answered, You could have no power at all against me, except it would given you from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto you has the greater sin. And from that point Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. And when Pilate heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth. He sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew tongue, Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover, and it was about the sixth hour, about 12 noon. And he said unto the Jews, Behold your king. And they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then they delivered him to be crucified, and they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him, two men with him, one on either side, and Jesus in the midst. Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word. reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 11 beginning in verse 23. I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and he said take and eat this is my body which is broken for you this do in remembrance of me I remind you that when Jesus said that he was still in his body, and therefore the bread must be a symbol of his body. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often you drink it in remembrance of me. And I remind you again that Jesus was still in his body. It was before he was betrayed and crucified, and therefore the wine must be a symbol of his blood. Then he said, After you have done this, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Let us pray. Our Father, we are thankful for the sacrifice rendered on the cross by our Lord Jesus Christ. That Though he was innocent, yet he died as the most guilty man in history. There to stand before the holy law and take all of its judgments in behalf of his people. O oh, Father, forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousnesses for the sake of him who loved us and gave himself for us, even our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Now we may have some announcements, uh,
2: Todd. good morning welcome to the services of Grace Church at Franklin this is an opportunity in the service where we take a moment just to mention some prayer requests before the congregation and ask that as the Lord brings them to your mind this week that you would lift them up before him we're certainly uh, blessed each and every day by the Lord and today we have a special blessing <laughs> after quite some absence Mary and Wallace Hadner back with us today <clears throat> We're certainly glad to see both of them and ask the Lord to continue to to meet the needs that they have. As of last week, we mentioned that Carl Clark was having some bronchitis issues. He is having some improvement, which we're thankful for, but his wife, Dolores, also has bronchitis, so we want to remember both of them. Judy and Lee Barton both fell ill about a week ago. Judy recovered pretty quickly, but... uh, Lee is having some difficulties, uh, recurring fever, fatigue, night sweats, uh, weight loss, and other things. We just continue to ask the Lord to be with him and and also for Judy as she ministers to his needs. We want to remember a colleague of Joe Moran's. He's a friend and a co-worker that lives out in Georgia. His name is Jay Copeland. He's experiencing some medical issues, and Brother Moran asks you to remember him before the Lord. Also, for Tibetha Montgomery's husband, uh, he has had some improvement from his gallbladder, and they thank you for the prayers on his behalf, and continue to remember them before the Lord. We want to remember Linda Foster's grandson, who has some melanoma. Uh, Benny Hargrove is going to have a procedure on his uh, heart tomorrow, uh, going in to look at some things, and if necessary, potentially put a stent in, so let's remember him before the Lord. And also for Charlie Whitehurst, who is having some cardiac procedure. Shirley Murphy's eight-month-old grandchild who has uh, COVID. How is he doing, Shirley? Good. Doing well, so we're thankful for that. I want to continue to remember Robert Long, who is having some nerve pain. Also, Howie Smith, who is serving in the military. <clears throat> and then, of course, we want to remind you, as the pastor did earlier, about our fellowship dinner. Please take time to join us immediately following services today. We exit out, go to the right to the fellowship hall, and we can enjoy a meal in a time of fellowship one with another. And then if you'd like to support the ministry here at Grace Church, you can do so by placing your gift or offering in the offering plate that's located on the round table in the foyer. And we just ask again, as the Lord calls these to your mind this week, lift them up before the Lord. There are many others that are on our prayer list. I've limited today just because of the time constraints, but also let's continue to remember all of them and many unspoken requests I'm sure that exist within the congregation needs that people choose not to utter. We just ask that you would lift up God's people each and every day. And we certainly want to continue to remember our pastor as he continues to faithfully deliver the word here in this place. Thank you.
0: Well, hello again, everybody, and good morning. Uh, hello again to everybody on the internet joining us. If we could all stand up again here, we're going to sing. It's called "Feeling Mighty Fine." I think if if you've worshipped here for any length of time, you know this. It's an old Statler Brothers song too. So, and if you can help by clapping your hands, that's great too. All right, you ready? Well, I woke up this morning feeling fine. I woke up with heaven on my all the How do you feel about that? You're Feeling fine, feeling fine. You all can say that, too. <laughs> all right. Yeah, isn't that good? If you can remember that, we can feel just fine all the time. All right.
3: <laughs> Thank you.
1: Service, but we'll. <laughs> it's good to see all of you today. I want to say again to please take notice of folks that are not here, and I, I owe several apologies to some folks. I owe an apology to Ted back there. I told Ted I'd call him this week. We've had one of these weeks where I didn't call anybody, just running from here to there. I think it's uh, this is kind of just. Ex- Kind of illustrated here, uh, Dr. Foster puts uh, some cartoons on my desk back there every once in a while. This is one you'll be able to relate to. This person walks into a, a restaurant, and he says, Oh, sorry, should I be wearing a mask? Yes, for when you walk in and are seated, then you can take it off when you're eating. Unless you sit outside, then just put it on now, and when you're in on the patio, you can take it off immediately. Unless you walk back to use the bathroom, in which case put it back on and leave it on until you get back outside. Unless you're sitting inside and then leave it on until you're eating. And so he turned to his friend and he said, Let's get takeout. <laughs> now there's a lot of confusion about a lot of these things, uh, but Our rule here at Grace Church is to suit yourself. If you feel comfortable with a mask, that's perfectly all right. If you don't want to wear a mask, that's perfectly okay. If you don't want to be shaking hands and stick out your elbow or whatever you want to do, I think we should respect each other's own uh, convictions and feelings about these things. We're thankful that we have been kept fairly safe here at Grace Church at Franklin. Now, first of all, I want to do something. We've been, you know, we used to sing happy birthday and anniversaries every week. We're trying to figure out how we want to do this now. We didn't do it for about a year. And uh, now I think what we're going to try to do is do the whole month of October. You look up there on the board, and you can see all of these people that have a birthday in the month of October. Now, today, I believe, also, is uh, my daughter-in-law's dad's birthday Dave today is Dave's birthday uh, he's 39 again and holding 39 and holding like I am and so happy birthday to all of you let's sing happy birthday to everybody okay happy, happy
3: birthday, birthday to you happy birthday to you happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday
1: of you having a birthday in the month of october happy birthday to you all right uh i want to make one announcement that i should have raised my hand uh with todd but i don't think todd knows this person is a man named lindsey campbell And I won't tell you how I've known Lindsey, but Kent Clark was Lindsey Campbell's first pastor, as far as I know. That goes back a long way. Most of you know who Kent is. He's a pastor friend of mine up in Michigan. And Lindsey Campbell died. They did his funeral two days ago. They said that the cause of his death was coronavirus, uh, which he contracted three weeks ago, three weeks ago. And then they buried him uh, yesterday, was it, Lynn, or Friday? And he's up up in uh, Danville, Kentucky. So I'd like for you to remember the family of Lindsay, uh, Lindsay Campbell. Please do that. All right, now, if you have a hymnal, uh, it will be up on the board. I think it's page 209. We're going to lead you together in an old hymn.
4: this morning? Huh? We're going to do a little worship song for you. I want you to sing with me, okay? I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice, come on, to Name to worship him. We have come into this house, gathered in his name to worship him. We have come into this house, gathered in his name to worship Christ the Lord. So forget about yourself, and concentrate on Him, and worship Him. So forget about yourself, concentrate on Him, and worship Him. So forget about yourself, concentrate on Him, and worship Christ the All my righteousness, I stand complete in him and worship him. He is all my righteousness, I stand complete in him and worship him. He is all my righteousness, I stand complete in him and worship Christ the Lord. So let's lift up holy hands So let's lift up holy faith And magnify his name And worship him Let us lift up holy faith And magnify his name And worship him So let's lift up holy faith And magnify his name
1: most please to the book of Genesis chapter 39 and stand together with me while we invite our Lord to come into this place where we can worship Him, to stir our hearts to open up our minds, to unstop our ears, and give a spiritual vision that we may see. Father. Ah, Genesis chapter 39, we welcome all of you who are tuning in by the internet, over YouTube, Ustream, our sermon audio, video. We welcome all of you who are here with us in this place. And I say to the Grace Church congregation again, pay attention to who among our number are missing, because there are a lot of people who are still afraid to get out. There's some who are traveling and there's some who are ill, who are sick. So pay attention and give them a call, write them a letter, send them a text, let them know you're thinking about them. This is our 14th study under the general theme, The Story of Joseph. And I've subtitled this study, I hope you'll be able to understand in a few minutes why, but I've subtitled this study, Pushing Forward. Pushing Forward. Genesis chapter 39, Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites, who had brought him down to Egypt. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word, and let God's people say, praise the Lord. And you may be seated. Joseph is now in Egypt. How did he get there? Well, he was taken there by the Ishmaelites, who bought him, paid 20 pieces of silver for him, from Joseph's own brother's. Then he was sold a second time to a man named Potiphar. Potiphar, an Egyptian, a prince of the Pharaoh, chief of the executioners, whose name means devoted to the sun. So He is a worshiper of the sun god. And today's message will find the support in that verse 2. And the Lord was with Joseph, and especially in this phrase, and he was a prosperous man. Though he was hated and sold as a slave by his brothers, he was a prosperous man. Though he was sold as a slave a second time to a heathen sun worshiper, he was a prosperous man. I might say he was a prosperous man in spite of all that was happening to him. Even though he was down with men, he was up with the God and the Creator and the governor of men. You see, he was a prosperous man by divine standards. Now, the modern Western idea and the general definition of prosper is, and I quote, to succeed in material terms, to be financially successful. End of quote. Sad to say this idea has crept into the theology of the Christian church. We are told that prosperity is in the atonement, in the sacrificial death of Christ. He not only died to deliver us from sin, but from poverty as well. I'll have to deal with this teaching at some other time, but this cannot be what is meant by Joseph. It can't be what is meant concerning Joseph. He has no money. He owns nothing. He has no investments. After all, he is a slave in Egypt. And so, we must ask the question, how can Joseph be a prosperous man in view of all that is happening to him? And we can find the answer if we look just a little deeper into the text specifically, and I don't know what uh, translation everybody's using, but you should have the word prosper or prosperous there in verse 2. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. Now I've given you the definition of prosper from the uh, the dictionary to succeed in material terms to be financially successful. But it has a totally different perspective when we look at the Hebrew word that is translated prosper. It is a word that is pronounced solak and solak means to push forward. And it may mean to push forward in various senses. It can be taken in a literal sense. It can be taken in a figurative sense. One scholar said this, and I quote him. He said, it is very clear from this definition that prosperity is more than money and the accumulation of wealth, but rather an ongoing state of success that touches every area of our lives. Now think about this for a moment. The most basic concept of solach, the word here translated prosper or prosperously, is to push forward. And from this idea, we can draw two conclusions. Number one, Joseph is being pushed forward. And number two, Joseph is pushing forward. Now, let's think about this first one. Joseph is being pushed forward. By what? By whom? May I suggest he is being pushed forward toward his predetermined destiny by the invisible sovereign hand of God. He is destined to be the governor of Egypt. Why? Why does he have to be the governor of Egypt? Number one, he has to become the governor of Egypt that the promises made to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob may be fulfilled. Number two, he has to become the governor of Egypt, that the dreams given him by God might be fulfilled. You see, they don't know it, but down the road, a famine is coming. How will the house of Jacob, how will the family of Israel be spared in that famine? They won't be unless Joseph becomes the governor of Egypt. His brothers, there has to come a time when his brothers are going to bow down to him. Remember in his dreams when we uh, taught you about that uh, from chapter 37? Uh, They said, well, uh, your dream seems to say that we're going to be bowing down to you. We're never going to bow to you. How's that going to happen? How is the, the, the determination, the will of God going to come to pass if Joseph doesn't become the governor of Egypt. There must be a time when his brothers bow down to him. If not, his dreams are false, and his God is false. And I'll tell you something, I'll go a little further. Unless he becomes the governor of Egypt, there can be no such thing as an exodus. What is the exodus? That was the deliverance of Israel from slavery, from Egypt. Not only that, there can be no such thing as going down into the promised land. All of this depends on Joseph being pushed forward. Why do you suppose he was sold to some Ishmaelites headed toward Egypt? Headed toward a particular part of Egypt? How do you suppose, as we say today in this generation, as luck would have it, Joseph was offered up for sale by Ishmaelites at a particular place, a particular slave auction, at a particular time. How do you suppose a certain man named Potiphar just happened on that particular day to say something like this? Honey, I think I'm going to the market on the Delta today. We need some help around here, and we're doing so well, it's more than I can manage. And, of course, I probably won't be able to find anybody I'll be interested in buying because most all of these slaves are illiterate idiots that I wouldn't trust my dog with. But just the same, on that particular day, at that particular time, he went to a particular market, the very same market that the Ishmaelites will visit. Egypt is a large place. They could have gone to a lot of different markets. What moved them to sell Joseph? Well, I don't know exactly, but I do know that even at that time, Joseph is being pushed forward by the invisible, sovereign hand of divine providence. Even then, he was prospering. Perhaps the Ishmaelites bought him with the idea of selling him. They gave 20 pieces of silver for him. And he was a young, strong, intelligent, and handsome Hebrew from Canaan. And he's worth more than 20 pieces of silver from another side of the coin, you know, if you've got a slave, you've got to have housing for him, you've got to put him up, you've got to take care of him. Maybe they didn't want to do all of that. They don't have time for all of that, and so they put him up for sale. Let me suggest to you that Joseph's brothers didn't know it when they sold him. The Israelites didn't know it when they sold him. Potiphar didn't know it when he bought him. And probably even Joseph didn't know it, but he's being pushed forward toward his destiny. Or as the translators have it in verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. The second idea that we get from this Hebrew definition of prosper is this. Joseph himself is pushing forward. It seems that every time you read about Joseph in the Bible and things are going well for him, something really bad, something really horrible, something beyond his control happens. He was promoted to birthright blessing status, and that, for that promotion he got nothing but hatred and envy from his brothers. Then he sent out to search for his brothers to bring his father word again on how they were doing. And for that, his life was threatened. He was thrown into a deep pit, and then he was sold as a slave to some Ishmaelites from Gilead headed for Egypt. Why do you think that happened? Well, I've told you he's being pushed along. But what is he doing in all of that? He is also pushing forward. What do you think happened on the journey from Dothan to Egypt with those Ishmaelites? We might suppose that he shared his story with the Ishmaelites. You know, he did that once later on. We'll see he'll be thrown in prison. And while he was in prison, he shared his story with one of the prisoners, with two of the prisoners, and interpreted their dreams for them. So he may have shared his story with these Ishmaelites who had bought him from his own brothers, and maybe he even gained a sympathetic ear, and maybe he got his hopes up. But when he arrived in Egypt, those Israelites had a meeting, and they decided that he was too good for them to keep. Besides, they didn't want the expense of keeping him up, and they could get a really nice profit for him down at the Delta market, so they sold him, and they sold him to Potiphar. And now Joseph finds himself the slave of an Egyptian sun worshiper. Can you even imagine what would have been going through our minds were we in the place of Joseph? Some of us cannot even remember when we were 17 years old. When I was 17 years old, I didn't have, a, as, as they said in a song years ago, a lick of sense. I had no sense when I was 17 years old. I, wasn't, I was no more aware of what was going on in the world or my surroundings or in my life uh, than a dog out in the streets. But let's suppose for just a moment we put ourselves in Joseph's place. We're 17 years old, and a few days ago you were in a calm, quiet pasture watching the sheep of your father, and then your father says, Joseph... I'm concerned about those brothers of yours. They've gone down to Shechem. And you know, we've had trouble before down in Shechem. That's when we had uh, all those people that uh, two of your brothers murdered because uh, they had them circumcised and then killed them all while they were sore because of your daughter, my daughter and your sister. And uh, so I want you to go check on them. I'm, I'm concerned about them. That's a dangerous place down there. Go and find them and bring me word on how they are doing So you go down to looking for your brothers, and then suddenly, as if in a dream, you're in a deep, dark pit thrown there by your own brothers. And then you're being pulled up out of the pit. And I imagine when you're being pulled up out of the pit, you're going to say, praise the Lord. They were just joking with me. That was just a big, bad joke. And boy, if they think that other report I gave them was a bad one, you wait until I give them this one. Remember we read that in chapter 37, how he brought a report to his fathers, and uh, he told his father what his brothers were doing. And uh, they didn't like it because it was a bad report. Well, when he was being pulled up out of that pit, I bet he said, man, when I get back home, I'm going to tell Dad I'm going to give him a report and a half. But when they pulled him up out of there, he found out it wasn't a joke. And then before you can catch your breath, you find yourself in a caravan of Ishmaelites, and you're headed to a a nation of foreign people. You don't know their language. You don't know their customs. You don't know anything about it. And as soon as they arrive in Egypt, the Ishmaelites head for the Delta market and lots of things are going on in the market. Then somebody comes over and they give you a number. And you say, what's the number for them? Before you know it, your number is being called. And then you realize, I'm at a slave auction and I'm going to be sold as a slave. And then you hear the auctioneer's voice, Sold! And you realize that you are now a slave, double over. You were a slave of the Israelites, thought you might get out of that. Now you are been sold again, and you're led into a group of other human beings who have also been bought and sold as slaves. And you say, but this can't be happening. I'm just 17 years old. I'm the son of an old man down in Canaan. All I know is herding sheep. I can't be a slave. And before you can even get that thought out of your mind, somebody says, come along now. You've been bought by Mr. Potiphar. Let's get moving. Think of it, my friends. What would you have done? What could you have done? Well, let me say this. We get an idea. This is what I'm going to apply to all of you today, especially those of you who are believers. We get an idea of the personality and the attitude of Joseph By observing how he conducted himself while going through these horrifying experiences, you know what he was doing? He was pushing himself along. He was not sitting on the heap of self pity. He was not blaming the Lord. He was not talking about bad luck. He wasn't contemplating suicide. He was pushing himself along. What does that mean? Well, look at verse 4. We covered all of these verses last week, but in a different manner. In verse 4, it says, Joseph found grace in his sight, in Potiphar's sight, in his master's sight. And then it says, and he served him. You know what that means? It means that Joseph went above and beyond the call of duty. It means that Joseph was the best slave in all of Egypt. It means that Joseph got up early and he stayed up late. And whatever it took, Joseph got it done. What is he doing? He's pushing himself along. He's pushing himself forward. He didn't give in and he didn't give up. He didn't fall into the pool of self-pity and despair. Rather, he trusted in his God and he kept pushing forward. And that's the meaning of the Hebrew word salak that's translated prosperous. Let me give you one more thought to consider. And we've already hit on this a couple of studies back. When one is in sync with the sovereign will of God, when you're in the sovereign will of God, you are prospering. You are moving along. You are pushing ahead. A couple of studies ago, we learned that when we determined to walk according to the revealed will of God, that is the Bible, this is the revealed will of God, then we'll be moved right along with the secret will of God. If you missed that study, and you'd like to have it, and I think it's study 11, the bottom line is this, my friends, trust in the Lord, and do not lean unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Pray to him, talk to him, and he will direct your paths. Joseph was a praying man. Joseph was a man who trusted his God, who knew his God, and he trusted him with all of his soul, and the Lord moved him right along. We have to be sure that with all of our planning, we're seeking the Lord's will, because if we're not, we may prosper by the standard of the world, but not by the standard of the Lord. And as you know, and as I've already mentioned, men do not measure prosperity with the same measurement used of the Lord. Men measure each other by each other, and usually it's by how many toys you have, by how many goods, or how the size of your house, or what you possess, but God measures men by what possesses them. Men measure one another by how they stack up against one another, but God measures by the rule of His Son and how they stack up with Him. Let me tell you this, if God is with a man, if God is with a nation, if God is with a people, that nation, that man, that people is in a state of prosperity. As we have learned, if you have Jesus, you have God. If you have God, you have everything. What else do you need? Was God with Jesus? Well, you know He was. One of the names of our Savior is God with us, Emmanuel. When Joseph, the husband of Mary, the mother of our Lord, had doubts about Mary, an angel was sent to him with these words, Joseph, thou son of David. Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Ghost. She shall bring forth a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He shall save his people from their sins. And all of this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which interpreted means God with us, My friends, Jesus was God come to be among men. And if one has Jesus, one has God, because Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. What more can I need if God is with me? In the words of the great Apostle Paul, he said, If God is for us, who can be against us? And my dear friends, if God is for us, then God is with us. <laughs> Remember how Paul encouraged the saints at Corinth? Let me read it to you, and then I'll tell you where it's found. He said, you you saints at Corinth, quit following men, he says. Let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. Whether Paul, or Apollos, or Peter, or the world, or life, or death, or things present, or things to come, all are yours, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. One cannot always tell if God is with a man, or a woman, or a nation because of their outward condition, or their outward situation, or their outward attire. Even Abraham Lincoln knew that. I wrote this quote down by Abraham Lincoln. Here's what he says, God often sends great souls into the world clothed oftentimes in curious attire. And one misses much good fellowship who thinks that from what men seem to be, he can determine what they are. When the Lord Jesus was here, there was nothing that distinguished him from any other man. Nothing. All of his glory, all of his majesty was hidden in his earthly tabernacle, his body. So from the perspective of men, Joseph is in a bad situation, and his stock is going down. But the Lord doesn't see things as men see them. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. Man looks at the present, but the Lord looks at the end. Reminds me of a story I heard about a seven-year-old whose team was losing 21 to nothing. And when they asked him, they asked this boy named Billy. They said, Billy, do you think your team even has a chance? And Billy said, we ain't worried a bit. He said, how's that, Billy? He said, well, you see, we ain't come up to bat yet. At the moment, it doesn't look like Joseph is going to win, but he hasn't come up to bat yet. And this generation thinks that they're almost through. I can tell when I watch the news, when I see people parading in the streets for all the wrong reasons, I can tell that this generation thinks they're almost through with Jesus of Nazareth. Let me tell you, my friends, he hasn't come up to bat yet as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. They've only seen him as the humble carpenter's son, the man who went around doing good, who healed. His glory was covered by that tent that he tabernacled in while he was here. And let me say say this, neither Jesus nor Joseph seemed to be what they were. Joseph is looked upon as a poor slave But let me tell you, he's the governor of Egypt in the purpose of God. Joseph was a son of promise, but Jesus was the son of promise. Joseph was destined to be the governor of Egypt, and Jesus, while he was here, was destined to be the governor of the universe. And here's my final word today, to push forward with the Lord does cost. You pay a price. Joseph paid a price. The Lord selected him to be the Savior of his family, and the, the one who would concrete and seal all the promises made to Abraham and Isaac and to Jacob. But Joseph was sold by his brothers when he was 17 years old. He became governor 13 years later at the age of 30, but he didn't see his aged father whom he loved and who loved him until he was about 39 or 40 years old. He paid a price. Not only mentally did he pay a price, psychologically, but physically as well. Listen to these verses from Psalm 105, beginning in verse 16. The Lord sent famine to their country. He took away all their food. But he sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who had been sold as a slave. Listen to this now. His feet were kept in chains, and an iron collar was around his neck, until what he predicted came true. The word of the Lord proved him right. Then the king of Egypt had him released. The ruler of nations set him free. He put him in charge of his government. He made him ruler over all the land with power over the king's officials and authority to instruct his advisors. That's Psalm 105, verses 16 through 22. And of course, I don't have to tell you, but the greatest example of pushing forward is seen in our Lord Jesus Christ. No man ever suffered as he did at the hands of men, and all of his sufferings from the perspective of men who administered that punishment was undeserved. It was unjust. No man suffered as he did at the hands of men. No man suffered under the judgment of his Father as our Lord Jesus Christ did. But what was his attitude as a man? Now, what was his attitude as he made his way to the cross? He pushed forward. Here's an English translation of the first few verses of Hebrews 12. Let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from beginning to end. He did not give up or turn back because of the cross, but because of the joy that was set before him, he thought nothing of the disgrace of dying on the cross, He endured the cross, despising the shame that was attached to it. You know what Jesus was doing the whole time he was here? He was pushing forward. They would ask him, why are you doing this? Well, he said, you don't know now, but you'll know later. I have an agenda here. I came here to accomplish the will of my Father. I always do those things that please him. Well, you remember when Lazarus died, and they called him and said, He whom you love is dead? What did he do? Rush? Oh, my gosh, we've got to get there and help him. No, he stayed where he was. The Bible says he stayed where he was, and they'd get there until after Lazarus was dead. Then when he got there, Martha and Mary both met him. First Martha, then Mary, and they both said the same thing. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You know why? Because no one ever died in the presence Of Jesus Christ. No one ever died in his presence. He is life. You can't die in the presence of life. But when he got there, he resurrected him from the dead. And he said, I do those things. When he stood before the grave of Lazarus, he said, Father, I knew that you heard me. I know that you hear me always. But because of those who stand here, I said these things. Then he said with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead and bound in grave clothes walked out of the grave. Why did he delay? He was on an agenda. He was accomplishing. He was giving men no excuse about not believing that he is the Messiah, that he's the long-promised Savior, predicted way back in Genesis 3.15. So I say to you, especially those of you, who are believers, and I say to you as forcefully as I can in your life, keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus and just push forward, walking in obedience to His revealed will, and His will for you will be accomplished. Push forward. Now, it's going to be accomplished with or without your cooperation, but you know it'd be a lot easier if you cooperate. <laughs> Joseph is going to be the governor. Why didn't the Lord just pick him up and set him down in Egypt and change everybody's heart? He just doesn't do it that way. Joseph is going to have to go through all of these things. But I believe that Joseph remembered that dream that he had. I don't think he ever forgot it. And I think he knew. He knew that an invisible hand of sovereign providence was pushing him along And he himself was pushing forward. And in that sense, he was prospering. In that sense, he was prospering. May the Lord add his blessings to his word. If you have never come to Christ, I would encourage you to do so now and quickly. Uh, The times, they are a-changing and they're getting worse and worse, and wicked men are waxing worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, as the apostle told us. He was. And uh, before long, we may not be allowed. I have friends in Canada. Don't know if you know what's going on in Canada, but I have friends in Canada. And uh, they're being turned out of the churches up there. Uh, they're not, not, they're, their excuse, of course, is the Coronavirus. That is they're shutting churches down. I have friends who've been driven out. Saw on the news the other day there was a man here in this country who returned to Canada knowing that he would be arrested, and he was arrested. And he was a pastor, pastoring a church in Canada. And my friends, we may not always have it as easy as we have it right now. But I tell you this, there's an invisible hand of sovereign grace and sovereign mercy pushing things along. We've been told long ago how it was going to end. You know, I did with this book what a lot of people do sometimes when they buy a fictional book. They turn over and they read the last chapter. I read the last chapter, and I see who's going to win. The Lord Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. He's going to come with the holy angels and in the glory of his Father. And he's going to come to judge the world, and he's going to divide the world into the sheep and the goat. And he's going to judge those who would not listen to him, and he's going to bless and take into their eternal home those who bowed to him and worshipped him as Lord and Savior and Christ. So I encourage you to do that. Now, before we dismiss, I am going to say one, two, thing, two things. One, of course, I would like for you to stay and eat with us. We've got plenty of food. We've got more than enough. We'll have a little time to fellowship together. And the second thing i like to say is uh, last week when Billy Wall came in and said some things, I don't know if you guys understood what he was saying, but Billy was selected to help get some people out of Afghanistan, and uh, he was saying that they were successful in that endeavor, and they have got some people out of Afghanistan and into a safe house. So for that, we thank the Lord for that. I think there are other missions of, uh, of same manner that will be going there, so let's pray that those missions will be uh, successful. I heard the other day, even on the standard news media, there was something like 10,000 Americans that are still in Afghanistan. So we need to pray. We need to ask the Lord to deliver them if it pleases Him to do so. All right, stand together with me. I'm going to say uh, goodbye to our... Internet friends, thank you for tuning in. Pray for us. Thank you for your support. And for those of you who are here with us, let me say we're so glad to have had you. I hope you'll come back and worship with us again and study God's Word with us. And again, I earlier said, pay attention to the many people who are not here today. Perhaps some of them are ill and sick. Some of them are traveling. Find out what their situation is and let them know you're concerned about them. I'm going to pray and then we'll sing. Our Father, we call upon you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for this little lesson that you've given us that you and your invisible sovereign hand of providence are moving things right along on schedule, that everything is going according to your plan and your purpose, that you sit upon the throne of the universe, and you work all things after the counsel of your own will, and you do according to your will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay thy hand or say unto thee, what are you doing? Help us, O Lord, that in our heart of hearts we might bow down and worship you as the sovereign God, and that we might, Lord, come to surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lord of lords and King of kings, as the way, the truth, and the life, as the only Savior, as the only one who stands between God and eternal judgment. Oh, Father, have mercy upon our generation. Rend the heavens and come down among us that we might see conversions, we might see men and women and boys and girls seeking the Lord while he may be found. We ask it in the name of Jesus the Christ, our Savior, and our Lord, for his sake. Amen. Let's sing this song, Under the Blood of Jesus, safe in the shepherd's fold.
3: Under the blood
1: We ask that you will bless the food that we're going to partake of, use it to nourish our bodies and to strengthen us in the work that you've called us to do. We have confidence that your word will not return void, but that it will accomplish that whereunto thou hast sent it. Through Christ our Lord, we pray for his sake we ask it. Amen. And you're dismissed.